thrilled to have in studio with me Jason McBride. You hear him every morning with uh, great tidbits, great nuggets of wisdom uh, with presidential wealth management. But today we're going to be talking about your your economic well-being, looking into the future so that you can thrive and prosper. And Jason, one of the, the components of that can be 401ks. Well, it sure can, Kim. And we talked about this a bit uh, about a month ago. And a lot of people are kind of afraid of their 401k. Uh, they, they don't understand the choices in there or what it means to set up contributions or make changes to the type of investment you have in there. And that's not everybody, but some folks uh, just they haven't logged in. I've talked to people, well, I'm, I'm kind of scared to do anything, and I think they have this fear they're going to accidentally hit the wrong button on their And keyboard. transfer their money to somebody yeah. else or and something. And then yeah. blow all their money up in, in one second, but it's pretty hard to do that. Uh, but, Kim, we talked a little bit last time, <coughs> excuse me, about the different types of investments in there. You've kind of got stable value. Uh, then most of the time you've Which is got, like your money market. Yeah, right? it's like mm-hmm. the money market. That's your, your safest option. Uh, next up on the list is usually some kind of bonds or fixed income. You may have several different choices there. But by far, uh, in most plans, the biggest different amount of choices you're going to have is with stock funds. And that's where most people tend to invest, and uh, it's the most fun. It could also be the most painful at times. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about a little bit was how to maybe do your research a little bit more thoroughly, uh, especially on, on the stock funds that you might be picking, and how to dig in there a little bit deeper to to maybe make your 401k a better experience for you overall and and to be able to stay along for the ride. Uh, Quite frankly, Kim, I think a a lot of times in the 401k, what they show on these funds is they'll show you the the Mm five-year average percentage and the seven-year and the 10-year. And by the way, the 10-year ones are going to look really, really good coming up here pretty quick. Okay. If you think about it... uh, once we get through this this March quarter of this year, mm-hmm. any remnant of the massive correction we had that ended in March of '09 is going to be off the books okay. for a 10-year record. In funds, they really like to talk about this 10-year record. So just be aware that uh, the 10-year and three-month record might not look as good as the 10-year record did. Does that make sense? So so they're getting all the bad stuff is going to fall off the Mm -hmm. edge of the cliff and make everybody's 10-year numbers just look wonderful. You know, one other question on that, Jason, and somebody that might have accomplished great numbers... You know, the, the manager of the fund, they might have moved on. So do you need to look at that as well? You know, if you can, uh, and, and it does take some digging to do that. So I, I would say one of the first things to do uh, is look beyond just that, that average percentage return record. If there's a way, uh, pull up the fact sheet on the fund. And I think it's important, Kim, to look at the year-by-year numbers. Because, okay. you know, let's say there is a fund, and in the 10-year record, you look, and boy, this one's done 8% a year. It's done 10 or 11% or whatever looks good. I know a lot of folks... Uh, they just kind of pick, well, this one's done the best. I'm going to put my money in right. there because that sounds good. 
But I, I think it's important to understand what was the ride like mm-hmm. to get there as well. And those year-by-year numbers will give you some indication. Uh, maybe that investment has done very well over the long term, but how did it do it? Did it, did it have a great year and then a terrible year, uh, you know, in 2007, eight? Nine, especially 2008, did it have a giant, massive drop? And I think you need to look at those year-by-year numbers and be as honest with yourself, Kim, as you possibly can and say, really, if I would have been in that investment and it would have started dropping to the degree that it did in this year, that year, showed that type of volatility to the downside, would I have been able to stay aboard or not? You know, like, could your stomach take it? Could your stomach take it? Because, uh, again, there, it may have a wonderful uh, 10-year record, but it doesn't matter if you weren't along for the ride. If mm-hmm. it's so volatile that it's going to uh, give you a queasy stomach, uh, cause, again, that emotional response to bubble up where you get afraid that you're going to lose all your money and you end up selling out at the bottom, well, the fund might have a 10-year track record of 8%, but you certainly don't because you weren't on it. Got it. That, that's fascinating. That's great advice. Yeah, and I kind of liken it to, uh, you know, I imagine a, a guy probably talking very loudly, you know, a very small guy probably, that, that's bragging about what a wonderful roller coaster this is. Uh-huh. He's standing in front of it. Oh, this is the greatest roller coaster in the world. Uh, this ride is great. Well, did you ride it? No, I got scared on the first dip and made him <laughs> let me off. Oh, so it's it's kind of the same thing, yeah. Kim. You know, you need to be uh, honest. Could you could you stay along for the ride? So do some further digging into the fund, Kim. And I think you made a good point too. Uh, sometimes managers change in a fund. Uh, it may be acquired by another fund and. Usually that information is not readily available anywhere. You might actually have to pick up the phone, God forbid, mm-hmm. and actually call uh, the, the fund and, and ask them some, some pointed questions. How long have the managers been there? Did you guys change your strategy significantly at some point and, and find out how consistent it's been. Yeah, just do a little checking. That's N- right. Knowledge is power. That's right. And we always have to say in, in my business, and I agree, uh, past performance is no guarantee of future results. So uh, beyond the, the just the numbers that you've seen, I mean, I think a, a past track record is important to look mm-hmm. at. But but sometimes uh, some of the the best performing investments are are newer ones. I mean, they're you, you won't find them in four hundred one k's too often, unfortunately. Uh, but but sometimes a newer fund can perform very very well, and so it's important to also understand what is their strategy in that mm-hmm. fund. How are they choosing the investments that are in there? Or is it just an index fund? And uh, I just think it it makes sense to ask a few questions Mm -hmm. and understand as well as you can what you're investing into. Well, and what about the costs for 401ks? People get kind of concerned about uh, fees and costs. However, I, I think that sometimes, I mean, if you get something for free... So that's what, you know, it, it may not be that great. Sometimes it's not. 
Excuse me, Kim. Now, now inside most plans, you're going to have a you know a couple of what they call index funds that are just very passive. They just invest in the same stocks as the S and P 500, for example, or another index. Uh, they don't make any decisions. They don't try to get rid of the the stocks they think are the worst and put more in the ones they think are better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, those are very cheap. Uh, especially over the last few years, there's just been a huge push uh, on, you know, two 401k administrators about cost. You've got to have funds with the lowest fees. In fact, there, there's been some some cases where, uh, you know, they've they've tried to prosecute, for lack of a better word to put it, administrators that had investments in there that they felt the fees or the costs were too now, high. Now, who's they? Uh, I guess regulators, uh, I, I guess, you know, set up. Uh, I was going to ask that lawyers, question. Yeah. you know, looking for a quick buck, whatever, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's good to get a bargain if you can, but, but again, I wouldn't, uh, just go and pick the investments you're going to choose in your 401k by the ones that have the cheapest cost, because that's not always the best. If a manager has a strategy where they're a little bit more active, uh, that's going to cause more activity inside mm-hmm. of And so the costs do go up a little bit. Uh, I'm not advocating to pick the highest cost mm-hmm. in there, uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, just for example, if you know, if one investment has a cost of, let's even say 3% a year, but over time it's netted you out a 10% a year return on average, I'd rather have that one than one that only costs a half a percent a year and only put 8% in my pocket. Because what really counts is the bottom line. Well, you know, and I'm thinking about it, you know, say if you're going to paint your house, you can go out and get a bid on all different kinds of painters. You could have the, the most expensive, you could have the least expensive, and you decide to go with the least expensive, but you haven't really checked it out, the quality of work, and you find out all your windows are, sh- you know, painted shut and all kinds of things. So you need to make sure that you know who you're working with, and it's a value for value. You know, you want, you want to make sure that that uh, you're, you're hiring them and you kind of agree at whatever that fee is, and... Um, you know, so I think it's important to do the homework on that as well, Jason. Yeah, I do, and I agree. And, Kim, you know, sometimes you don't get what you pay for. Let's face it. Sometimes there's funds or painters or whatever that, that charge more than others, and their work is, is crummier than someone that might do it for less. So uh, the more digging you can do, the better understanding you can do. And, again, I, I don't want to be repetitive, but I think this is so important. You, you need to try to look at those year by year numbers and now that we've got 10 years past it's going to get harder to find mm-hmm. what did that fund do in 2007 what did it do in 2008 when the market was really bad when i look at investments that's one of the first things i always try to figure out is how did this perform when the chips were down okay well that's good advice jason let's go to break but yes. i know one of the questions that people ask you a lot is if the market is down, should they stop putting dollars into their 401k? So let's mull that over while we go to break, and when we come back, we'll hear what you have to say. Okay. This is Kim Munson with Jason McBride. We will be right back. 
Yeah, it would, it'd be really nice to have some fast lanes right here in Colorado, wouldn't it? Huh? Ha. Anyway, hey, welcome back to the Ameritix. Oh, it's that horrible Tabor that you know, prevents us from having better roads. It, it, that, oh, yeah. That's what it is. Not it's enough killer. money. They don't Not have enough, enough money. money. Uh, I don't think that's the problem, Jason. I would challenge on that. Uh, hey, Steve, you, yes. you said you went ahead and signed up for Tabor Yes? While you guys were talking about it, I just <clears throat> drifted over there and super easy, super fast, just pull up Tabor Yes and sign up. You know, Steve, everybody needs to do something to protect the the ability for individuals to thrive and prosper. So that's just a little tiny thing that you could do is go to TaborYes.com and sign up. And if Steve can do it, Jason... Anybody can do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was harsh. If your mic goes dead in the next <laughs> five minutes, you'll know why. <laughs> we'll know yeah. So, okay. Well, let's go ahead and we, uh, guys, we're already in the, the last segment. Jason, this is such great information. Uh, people ask the question, they say, if the market is down, should I continue to put money into my, four, or uh, should I stop putting dollars into my 401k or what should they do? What do you say? You know, we do get that question, and uh, and again, it's human nature, it's human behavior. Uh, we all know that we should buy low and sell high, uh, but I, it's a saying I've heard, and I agree with, everybody wants to buy low until the opportunity actually presents itself. That's and then everybody wants to get scared and, and not buy or, or do the opposite. But, yeah, we do get those calls a lot, especially when the market's bad. Oh, should I stop putting money into my 401K? It's been going down recently. Uh, my answer to that would be probably not. I mean, there's certain instances where it may make sense, which uh, we could talk about a little. But, but honestly, um, if the values have gone down, uh, in a 401K, keep in mind uh, – most of what you're going to invest in are diversified investments. They're funds. I mean, they're they're likely not going to go to zero uh, because they've got tons of different investments in them. Now, if you have a company stock and you're putting a lot into one stock, you need to keep a very close eye on that because okay. any individual stock can go to zero. Theoretically, I mean, just ask uh, people that worked for Enron or even General Motors when they went bankrupt. No matter how good one company is, something can happen. So you have to handle that more carefully. But I would say that when the market is down, you're investing for the long term. You're investing in diversified funds. In most cases, I would almost say, Kim, to do exactly the opposite and ask your HR person if you can increase your contributions while the market is low. That way you get in and get more shares while things are cheap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and like you say, that's opposite to human nature. And I love what you've said, that people know that they need to buy low, except when the opportunity presents itself. Well, it's scary to buy low. It is. The news is never great when things are low. I mean, every time things get really cheap, it's it's like the end of the world's coming. Uh, this late, uh, Just think about the fourth quarter we just had last year. Uh, mm-hmm. The markets took a big drop. It was very scary. Um, yeah, and I can just go by the, the, the phone calls I get. Uh, you know, I'll compliment my 
clients. I don't get a whole bunch of panicky calls, but Mm -hmm. you get a few. And I, you know, I I mean, the calls of, well, should we get out or sell uh, far outnumber the ones that, well, this looks like an opportunity. Do we have any cash available to buy by three to one? So uh, it is interesting. I get that. And so what about dollar cost averaging? Dollar cost averaging uh, is a simple term that was cooked up uh, to keep you always adding money all the time. Okay. It's not a strategy. It's a marketing uh, thing. Uh, I've never thought about it that way. Well, it is because it just keeps you not thinking and just putting money in automatically uh, because they say, well, if you dollar cost average, you'll get a better average price. My question is, well, a better average price compared to what? Uh-huh. Because think about it. The market usually is going up. It's u- Most of the time, Kim, right? It's usually right. climbing. It's going higher and higher and higher. So when you dollar cost average just mindlessly, think about it. You're always buying shares higher, 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 higher. Most of the time when the market has a correction, it's fairly quick and then it comes back up. So when it takes those quick drops... Dollar cost average, yeah, you might buy a few extra shares But you've already cheap, invested in the higher prices. But that's right. So I think there's a way to improve it. It just takes a little bit of work. You know, when your money goes into your 401k, you can direct where it, where it lands. Mm-hmm. So I think a good strategy is this. And, and I, I don't know exact numbers, but uh, let's just say someone's putting in $500 a month just as, a, as an example. Mm-hmm. You know, look at a simple chart on even Yahoo or whatever of the S&P 500 of the market and just ask yourself, does it look like it's really high right now? And I would say develop just a strategy where if the market's really high, let's say you're putting 500 into your 401k, well, when the market's high, just stick a piece of that into the money market fund temporarily. Mm-hmm. Start building kind so a of percentage a, of that. Yeah. Maybe you say you, you can design a little system yourself, but let's say when the market's high, you put $100 of that or 200 into the stable value fund. So you're building up kind of this powder keg of cash. Okay. So the next time prices drop... And your instinct is to sell. Instead, you're taking that powder keg of cash and putting it in in one shot and buying more shares cheap. This also prevents you from buying too many shares when prices are high. Seems like that's common sense. And you don't have I mean, to, that's great. You don't have to look at it every day. You can just say, okay, once a quarter, I'm going to look at kind of where do I think the market is? Is it high, low, in between? And just develop a strategy on your own to to try to put in a little bit less actually into the market-oriented investments when it's really high. And But then you've got to have the guts when, when it gets ugly and things get cheap to put in chunks of that when, when the, the prices are low. That is, uh, that's the real, I think that's really good that's advice. The, that's like a Dollar cost averaging 2.0. Yeah. It's dollar cost averaging and using your brain a little bit at the same time. Boy, you put those things together and it looks like it would be success. Well, it could, <laughs> but sometimes when people uh, combine their brains with things, it could be dangerous as well. Well, this is true. This Just is... look at our state legislator. Yeah. Legislation. I, I, 
Okay, I don't I, think I, they I have was, any brains. I, you can see, not, Steve. Yeah, I, I okay. never. Yeah, I stepped I was, right I was, into that. I was one. in the. If I couldn't say anything nice, I wasn't going to say anything at all, Jason. So, well, and here's here's one more. Uh, you know, uh, a couple people might get mad at me for invoking the name of John Bogle, who is the founder of Vanguard Funds, and he just passed away recently. God bless him. I've got nothing against him. But he's a perfect example of why this is just a marketing scheme more than a strategy. There was an interview with John Bogle, and I've got the video clip, and it was stunning to me. They were interviewing him. This was a few years back. Well, John, what do you think uh, is in store for the markets for the next few years? Boy, I'll I'll tell you. Uh, I I think that we could really be in trouble, and I wouldn't be surprised if... If we saw a 50% drop in the markets over the next few years, wow, John, that, that's a pretty pretty big uh, drop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really think that we could be in some big trouble. So, John, what do you think people should do? Oh, nothing. Just keep investing anyway and, and ride it out for the long term. So that's the thing that probably got your blood pressure going. Well, it did because I'm sitting here thinking now that, that would be like me driving down a road with my family in a car and a cop is there standing in the road. He waves me down and I say, what's the problem, officer? Well, we've got uh, information that the bridge up there might be about to fall apart. Oh, should I take an alternate route? No, just go ahead and keep driving. Mm-hmm. It's the same comparison. So, again, how do you speak out of both sides of your mouth that way mm-hmm. and say, I believe the market might really be in big trouble over the next few years, but just keep putting your money in there anyway? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really believe that, I would say stick your money off to the side, wait until it does get cheap, and then put the money in. Right. So it's prevalent throughout the industry to just brainlessly keep investing. Um, I don't think you should stop putting money into your 401k, but you can be smarter about where you place the money depending on the condition of the market at the time. Well, and Jason, over we're out of time. These are so fascinating, and we're going to do this once a month for sure because people uh, are learning so much, and that's uh, that's another thing that we want to do on the show is is hopefully bring nuggets of wisdom so that people can have their economic well being, their political well being. Those are things that we want to do here. So, thank you so much for for being with us. Today. No, it was my pleasure, and thanks for having me, Kim. I hope your uh, ratings don't take a huge. <laughs> plummet, but, uh, well, you know, from, you got to take a chance once in a while. Well, with the guest, I, I right? tell you what, from what I hear from people, they're liking it a lot. So thank you so much, Jason McBride over at Presidential Wealth Management. Uh, for more information, uh, the guys and gals over there at Presidential Wealth Management, it is chickspresidential.com. We have our own landing page with you. I have my own landing page, chickspresidential.com, so be sure and check that out. The phone number is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600.